Hello and welcome back to another very special episode of Faking Injuries. If you don't know already, Faking Injuries, we are the European football ambassadors to the United States and all of its sovereign territories. Looking at you, Puerto Rico and Guam, we care about you too. In this episode, we're back to some of our bread and butter, primarily covering the Premier League. We'll dip into a little foreign football looking at Bayern Munich and Augsburg. Also got some business and financial news to run through, but let's get into it, starting in the Premier League, and we're going to try to spotlight West Ham. Yeah, the question I put in our notes was, are West Ham good again? Because they put on a park-the-bus defensive style for the ages. I mean, this is Jose Mourinho's wet dream we just saw. They had 22% possession, but still managed to create six big chances and score three. They just looked awesome. I mean, Brighton got like 26 shots, but not one was like a great, clear Mm -hmm. chance. And they just represented everything they strive to be under Moyes. You know, gritty team, just defend well, hit hard on the counter, still create a lot of big chances off of the mistakes of their opponents. And I got to say, I wish I put them higher in my ranking. And what I love about West Ham being good is the badge, the fan base, the style of play. It all gels so well together, right? We saw the great fans last year doing cocaine off of their friend's bald head and then throwing up the iron signs. Or the guy who held off like 30 AZ supporters trying to storm the family stand, just, you know, throwing Oh yeah, that guy was like 350 pounds and he was throwing off what we can only infer are the ultra-nationalist Nazi AZ hooligans. He owned that space, and there was no getting to the friends and family section. I forget what his nickname was. Nolsey, I think. Nolsey. Maybe it's just the brain, but I thought it was big something. (laughs) (laughs) He left that impression on us. Yeah, you're right. It is a cohesive unit and identity from top to bottom. I think this is probably where my logic went awry this summer, is that West Ham last season were really poor relegation zone for a majority of the year with Declan Rice. So losing Declan Rice and Skamaka, I expected them to not drop into the relegation zone, but kind of remain in that area just above it. They didn't get a lot better from last year, but then I, my brain just forgot about the two years prior, like fully forgot about the two years prior where they were getting into Europe. They just won the conference league. Like, I don't know how that escaped my mind that like this was an established top 10 team. And remember our brains were pumping thoughts to us saying Jared Bowen, 50 mil to Liverpool. That could be great value. Just a few seasons ago last year, All you're thinking about is, is that hairline creeping back week by week? Not looking great, but it looks like from an early small sample size, that could be in the past. Bowen looks confident. David Moyes looks slimmer. It could be one of those classic military situations where you look to the guy up top. There were U.S. generals personally telling frontline soldiers like, hey, I specifically will have you court-martialed if you retreat. That's what you need. You don't get that with a frumpy English David Moyes, no? No, you do not. And I love what they're doing with the squad. They've spent the Declan Rice money incredibly well. Just brought Mo Kudus through the door mm-hmm. for around 45 mil. Obviously, added James Ward-Prowse, who has made an instant impact with three goals. And Edson Alvarez, who feels like almost the perfect DM for their style of play. He had one sequence last game where he just calmly dribbled past two guys 
in the center of their own box. Did you mm, see this? I didn't. I was watching a little passively, but I believe it. The commentator goes, talk about composure. I was like, yes. Mm. <laughs> I've always loved watching him, like both with Mexico and Ajax where I could. I think you'll agree or be reasonable with me. Edson Alvarez has to be at least like an 88% replacement for Declan Rice. No, like Declan is obviously amazing, but when you can get him out the door for what was the final fee? 105 mil. And then bring in Alvarez for 42, you get at least 85% of the production at 42% of the price, and you've got those funds to reinvigorate elsewhere. Yeah, he does all the midfield stuff like that you would expect him to do. You know, he doesn't do the some of the creative or like shot creating stuff that Declan could do, which was like made him special, made him a yep. class above just the way he carries the ball. But like Edson Alvarez can do all the midfield stuff that he used to do to a high level. And with Kudus, right, both coming from Ajax in Amsterdam, did you hear the new song, the West Ham fans? I'm telling you, they're geniuses. Give it to me. So I don't know the full tune, but... Tim Steinton went to Dam to smoke some marijuana, came back home with Alvarez and a superstar from Ghana. So we can only infer that's their sporting director. He went for a bendy and just via happenstance came back with two players that are going to really change the squad. This is nonfiction, right? It sounds like nonfiction and it sounds like more sporting directors should be smoking marijuana before going on these scouting trips. Because if you come back with two IX stars for around 80 mil... Seems like a good strategy. Yeah, Man United's like, wow, we really shouldn't have ventured to shrooms because we only came out with Anthony and he's like the shell of a player at 100. Yeah, he could probably use some ayahuasca right now as we're speaking. <laughs> One last point. I just want to harp back on James Ward-Prowse because, like we said, three goals already. But I think we can confidently say now that he is a great player who was on a bad team that made him just look good. On an elevated, better team, he looks incredible fits in perfectly i just love this addition this new midfield is so sexy and i hope they have more 20 percent possession games with 3xg he's been wreaking havoc unsurprisingly from set pieces already with at least one if not multiple assists and other dangerous balls i'm just happy hope he stays healthy and kind of rooting for this squad absolutely rooting for the squad i think we were big fans of them their run to that conference league spot that year they're so exciting to watch and it's reinvigorated because last season was horrible but they forgot about it quickly they won the conference league and they're back to the top half i love it yeah went to damn they smoked that marijuana and now their ambitions in the future are gonna <laughs> <laughs> let's take it to the brighton side of this now noah you wanted to talk about your team once again, very selfishly. This one hurt at home. I think our outlook is already, you know, coming down a little bit as far as those Q4, Q3 football season forecasts. You shamefully shared the NCSO knowledge with me after I had predicted 20 plus goal involvements. I got reminded by the broadcast, a knee injury long term. Are you sticking to it? <laughs> I, I think I'm going to have to take it off the table. I feel sorry for me. I feel sorry for the Brighton faithful, but most importantly, young Julio. But with NCSO out, it already showed in this match. Looking elsewhere in the squad, it was kind of brave still. Verbruggen, the young Belgian goalkeeper coming from Anderlecht, he got his first start. Billy Gilmore in midfield. And I don't think he even had a poor game, right? Yeah, I think Billy probably struggled a little more on the defensive side of the game. But I thought people were bashing on Gilmore too much. Obviously, got the early sub in the 60th minute. But he kind of put up some good creative numbies in the first 60. 
He had nine passes in the final third, created two shots, got two shots off himself. And the one that he got blocked could have easily been a goal if it got through. He also played three out of four accurate long balls. I hate to use this much statistics, but you can see hints of a world-class just ball shifter from side to side in there. And that was exciting for me. I'm excited by that new player archetype, a ball shifter. <laughs> no, seriously, that that's a good one. You got to trademark this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of a better player to compare it to, but a guy that receives it kind of deep lying and he's elite at shooting one over the top to the wingers, I think. Yeah, or someone that can receive a backwards pass from a left winger and shift it to like the right back who's getting up into space because the defense hasn't moved. Exactly. Obviously, physically, he's he's got to bulk up a little. He's still a, a tiny, scrawny little 21-year-old, but... I thought it was promising. I thought people bashed on him too much. And you're right. They did go bold this lineup. Like you said, Verbruggen looks pretty good despite the three goals. Don't think any of them were his fault. Not going to get dropped. And I was surprised to not see Jao Pedro on the squad, actually, after, you know, a decent performance in the first game. I thought Julian Ciso getting injured meant he was almost a lock. But then they did the Danny Welbeck, Evan Ferguson, two up top, which I didn't love. Did he come on? Was he on the bench? Yeah, he came on late. Okay. But Interesting. I just... Danny Welbeck and Evan Ferguson, I feel like those are two guys that can't be on the pitch at the same time. Yeah, show us. Maybe this is the FIFA managers in us, but we want to see young Pedro and the Potato Boy in the same front too. I think it would work perfectly, a lot better than Welbeck. I mean, he's been great for Brighton, but I think he's more of a replacement when Evan Ferguson has to come out, more so than yep. a guy to play alongside him. They both don't touch the ball that much. So I'll speak for the Brightonians. We're going to keep our heads held high. Elsewhere in the Premier League, I see you have um, a harshly worded take on Luton Town. Yeah, the take was, are Luton the worst team we've ever seen in the Premier League, or am I overreacting to two games against tough teams, you know, Chelsea, Brighton. I just, I haven't seen a Prem team look this championship level since Norwich's like horrific year. What was that, like four seasons ago? Yeah, and six seasons ago. And six seasons ago. (laughs) I mean... They just cannot create anything. They never look like they're going to score a goal. And defensively, I'm not trusting those guys at the back. They need to sign like a top, top tier is aggressive. They need to sign a solid prem center back to just lock shit down a little bit there because it's so disorganized despite the fact that they're playing this super low block. Listen, it's clear from the recruitment strategy, other investment in the club, and they want to have a good financial season if that does happen, right? They're not doing anything big. They're using that extra at least $200 million in revenue, signing small, oftentimes players who are top-level championship, because if they go back down, the thought is they can get back up. At least be in the market to loan some people, right? Pay a little loan fee out. Sure, that's a one-year expense, but you don't want to get long-term. Go find a disgruntled quality center back, and there's probably a few other positions we could name. Yeah, I'm not asking them to throw their strategy out the door and just you know, do something financially stupid. I'm just also asking them to not acquiesce and accept that they're going to finish 20th. I mean, that, it's not that much. I mean, yeah, like you said, chase some loan players from the top six clubs. They're always willing to do that for the bottom, you know, five teams because they're not important to them. There's a difference between trying to save a little and spend shrewdly. But what Luton's doing sadly begs the question, like they might be keeping all their cash in a cash account. They haven't heard of money market funds. They haven't heard of brokerage accounts. 
they might plan to keep 150 million pounds and keep it all in one bank account. Just sitting. Just sitting, withering away, and it's spending power and tea and crumpets. As far as their outlook, this is like jumping out of the airplane, putting on the parachute. It's always going to look bad early, but check in once you're hitting that 8,000 feet altitude, and I'll tell you how it's going to go. You know, if you're already starting to apply one shoulder strap, you look like you know where the rest of your gear is, you're probably staying up. If you're just screaming all fuck and thinking about how you should have hit on your high school math teacher, it's going to be a problem, and you might not make it to double-digit points on the season. That is still in play, let me be clear. I'm okay if it's comically bad. Yeah, that's a great point, and I actually do like your parachute analogy, because in this analogy... 20 feet before they get into the ground and they get relegated down, they do actually get parachute payments. So, (laughs) you you know, they got that going for them. They got an emergency shoot, but I think they're just preparing for next year. It's a little sad to see, but hopefully they have some fun moments this year. Yeah. And the manager already, those handshakes and like when he's having to plead with the fourth official for a handball, it looks like super imposter syndrome going on in his brain. And his press conferences are tough too because he can't shit on these players. Like that's the last thing they need. So he just has to be so positive about horrifically bad they are. (laughs) He's got to be like, we have proprietary in-house stats and it's got Tom Lockyer as a top three percentile center back. Oh yeah. One other point we didn't mention. Tom Lockyer for most cards in the competition, absolute lock this year. That's what I'm putting out right now. Print it, baby. Put your 401k into it. Or, or don't. Luton doesn't have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep it moving on. Other Premier League cleanup. Liverpool, Newcastle. I didn't watch it a ton. Caught the highlights. But I think you were a little more invested in this one. What were your takeaways? It was one of the more electric comebacks I've seen. Klopp called it their biggest comeback ever in his reign. Bigger than the Barcelona 3-0. And it was impressive. Because a man down after 35 minutes or something like that... To come back, sub Darwin on, who is honestly probably better when they're a man down than when they have the full 11, because he just creates chaos. That's all he does. Yeah, he's like, there's more space for me to run into now. Honestly, he's like, I need all the space in the world. Yeah, (laughs) give me more. And boy, was he awesome scoring those last two goals. Klopp just fist bumping into oblivion, just so hyped up. And I feel like this means two things for Liverpool. One, if they had like lost this game... 4-0, 4-0, which was very possible after going a man down that early, that could have really like tarnished their momentum this season. But to come back and get the win, I think that's really going to push these guys on. Even though they haven't looked the best so far, that's going to be big for their mentality going forward. And especially Darwin, I mean, I really hope this means he gets a run in the squad. Because I think if you, got, if you give this guy the next 10 games, just say, hey, Let's see what you can do. You're leading the line. We'll put Sal on the other side. Throw whoever on the other. Luis Diaz, Jota. Just give him a give him a nice run, and let's see how many goals he can score. Yeah, I think Dardar can do some big things. Is that it? Anything else on Liverpool? Let's go elsewhere in New Europe. Let's do it. Bayern, Augsburg. Okay, I'd kind of been putting off the Harry Kane check-in after his big move from Tottenham to the preeminent team in Germany. This is great, right? Because he now gets to feel like he's playing for Man City, but not have to live in Manchester. And so that failed move, uh, what was it, two years ago, feels a lot better now. He had two of their three goals in this one, a 3-1 win over Augsburg. Again, I was really passive watching some of these highlights after our trip Sunday night and didn't even catch the first goal. It was a penalty, so you can't blame me. 
But after his second, just a classic Kane, one touch off a cross, hearing that German and European announcing style where they will announce the first name and then the crowd calls back with the last name, hearing those default angry Bavarian crowds people chant Kane at the top of their lungs, mustard in tow and in beard, it was beautiful. It honestly gave me a little bit of goosebumps. He's loving life. He's still kissing the ring after every celebration. Him and kissing I- the ring after the first one totally gave me goosies. I was blown away. And yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm happy for Harry. He finally got his move out of Spurs. And I gotta say, Bayern, I kind of forgot how good they are. This has come from the man who was really trying to hit that Champions League future last year. I'll hit it again this year. Okay, good. I was going to be mad if you didn't. No, I... I'm just saying, like, I forgot how much better they are than the rest of the Bundesliga. Because, like, I hadn't watched Bayern highlights in a little while. Yeah. I hadn't watched them yet this year. And I was like, oh, my God, they're fucking dominating. It's like like they're playing against 12-year-olds with, like, Nabry and Sané. Just the amount of extra passes they make to get the most wide-open shot is, like, so shocking to me. Because we watch the Prem all the time. They kind of take it when they get it. But Byron will do like extra little flicks in behind <laughs> just to get like the most wide open shot possible, even when they already had a good one. It's incredible. It's crazy how much better they are in the rest of the league. One other thing, Kim in a Byron shirt looked real sexy. Yeah. Yeah. That goes without being said, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> That's it on Byron for kind of the same reasons why we haven't watched their highlights in the past. It's just default demolition and not always the top of your list. I want to talk the Augsburg angle. Because, remember, this is one of the ongoing American-owned smart money strategic plays on the continent. And one that's, as far as the status column's concerned, it's marked as pending ongoing review. Remember, they got Pepe 18 months ago. They've already moved him on, but brought in a lot of players during January. One of which, Dion Drenabeljo. He's the 21-year-old Croat. Uh, six foot five, left-footed, was putting up absolute numbies in Croatia, 29 and 56. And his mother, exceedingly beautiful. And his father, he's pretty handsome too and played, I think, in Milan for one of the clubs. So got the pedigree. Did you dig in for these pictures or did they cut to them in his debut? Mm, plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> Who else stood out to you in this game? While not the profile of under 23, huge upside Demirovic, the left winger, also played center forward. He's Bosnian, 25. He's dynamic. He's fast. He scored big goals for him over the last six months of last year. And then Mergen Barisha, he was one of the OG young strikers that Salzburg brought up and moved on. Not in the likes of Holland or some other players we've seen come through, but 24 and 55, nothing to really be disappointed with. Went to Fenerbahce during 21-22, didn't do as well, but last year on loan, solid performance, and I'm going to say this is the year of Mr. Barisha. It's hard for me, like first rounders in NFL, strikers coming through Salzburg, I really want to trust, and he's going to be a benefactor of that blind trust. Yeah, I feel like I know the name Barisha, but I just don't remember him for anything noteworthy. (sighs) Yeah. I think he was good mildly with Salzburg for his second season. Okay. Really underwhelmed in Turkey, but he's back. He might have found his right level. And just as a follow-up, because one of the players I called out during our spring recap on them, Renato Vega, he was a left back on loan from Sporting, 
had only really played for their academy team, but was 19, six foot two, left footed, and he passed the eye test like Stevie Wonder wishes he could, you know? And um, <laughs> he didn't stay with Augsburg in the end, but just moved to Basel, which I think might be the perfect move for him. They should be playing in Europe. They had him listed as a center back, which I'm even more intrigued about. Just because of his body type, he's such a gazelle. If he's playing center back two, especially like a quick left of a back three, that could be perfect. Mini foot mob ramp, but add him to the list, Chuck. I like it. And thankfully, as a gazelle in Switzerland, you can generally get away with it because there's no lions coming to get you. you yeah. Know? There's not a Rudiger that's going to come and take you out. Yeah. No one's checking the bank statements either, right? So you're good. <laughs> Speaking of bank statements, I think we wanted to move into the business financial realm. Let's do it. This one was courtesy of one of our OG listeners. If we had a Patreon, he'd be a super subscriber. If we had an OnlyFans, he'd do the same. Sent me a YouTube link. I'm going to get ahead of it. We're a bit late here, almost three weeks so, but Dude Perfect, you remember them, right? Yeah, they do like trick shots, right? Sports things from very uncool 40-year-olds. Yeah, they made trick shots their life, which, again, sounds nerdy and dorky like they look, respectfully. But they're doing numbies. They're the 27th largest YouTube channel, 60 million subs, and just recently, they became part minority owners in Burnley. That might ring a bell. J.J. Watt, the former NFL player, he did the same with his wife, I think around the same time. We'll call it the same round. Hopefully, J.J. got a few more shares at a better price, frankly. I would imagine. My biggest takeaway here isn't even so much about Dude Perfect. It's more about Alan Pace. He came from obscurity when he put the LBO on Burnley in the middle of COVID. LBO is a leveraged buyout for those non-financial folks out there. Which means, right, on the spectrum of owners, you have the sovereign wealth funds, the state-connected people who insist on not using any debt in their proposals to buy Man United, And then on the other end, you have our boy, Alan Pace, who's like, with all of my friends and family, I think we can get 18 million together, which, you know, no small sum, but in this world, that's peanuts for a Premier League team. He got the rest of it on a loan and then bought them for around 200, 300. Yeah, the financial term is called levering the fuck up. Yep. And Alan knows a thing or two about that. Alan, disclaimer, this is satire. We know you put in a little more cash. You've enjoyed way finer things than I ever will. Charlie's probably done a little better, but you're in between us, sandwiched. And you might like that. (laughs) But when you put so much debt on a club that immediately gets relegated and loses its 200-pound breast to feed on as an infant, there's a cash shortfall in the projections. And I'm scared that Mr. Pace is making his series of interest payments with the money from Americans. Football players, a little more respectful. But YouTubers looking to get their trick shotty brand all over your football squad, I'm just telling you, it's a slippery slope, Mr. Pace, and come to us before you go to the guys at Dude Perfect. Yeah, please consult us, because this feels a little desperate. Um, you know, next thing, he's going to have a TikTok dancer with a Burnley shirt on. It's a it's a step too far, in my opinion. And also, I'm concerned about this interest payments on this LBO, too, because they've been buying a lot of players, and they haven't sold any, really. So... I don't know what the deal is there, but it feels like there's some balancing to do in that accounting department or some financial mismanagement or fraud, rather. Or Alan owes some people some money, which 
I could see him getting into trouble in Moldova, Malta. I think he has loan sharks all over the place that are hunting him down. So I, if I were you, I'd stay in Burnley and maybe stay behind J.J. Watt because that's a pretty <laughs> <Yeah>. good <laughs> shield. That is not a bad idea. That's all we had, business, financial. Let's quickly run down a few recaps from our wonderful weekend. We had a great weekend. Our best friend also gambling degenerate his birthday so we had a great time we watched some prem we threw some bets on horses which i guess is very fun and i didn't know there was all these markets for it uh korea australia argentina news to me one of our friends who again was an expert on all this but apparently he's blaming the stream here but 50 percent into the race he was watching at 2 a.m he realized (laughs) This is a chariot horse race, and they're carrying something, and that might be Nikola Jokic. How is that horse not dead and in a Crunchwrap Supreme already? Oh, man. One other thing we found out this weekend while watching the Prem, we were watching the City-Sheffield game, and Erling Holland scares the hose. I don't know how else to put it. He does. We really had to calm them down and assure them, gentle giant, he prefers to make money than commit pillaging these days. It definitely brought up some, you know, ancestral genes of the Vikings coming in. And last thing here on the weekends, this is not football related, but I think everyone needs to know about it. I got an email at work and it was one of those cold calls from like a marketing or consulting agency. And this guy emails me saying, hey man, I got the scoop. If your company is looking to invest in the NHP market, our outlook shows it's going up 22% next year. Great time. Looking a little further, I got my first definition of NHPs, and an NHP is a non-human primate. (laughs) This man wrote me a five-paragraph thing with metrics, statistics, references to economists. I learned a lot in one very short email, and it got the gears going, right? I think this could be faking injuries first, bootstrap business if we need to get in the NHP market. And if you can sell an NHP, you can sell an NPC too, probably. And... These non-human primates, what does that entail? What does that include? Uh, are we talking... I think it's pretty self-explanatory. But are we talking like monkeys? Are we talking lions? Are they primates? Are we talking Harry Maguire? Like what? <laughs> exactly. So this is this could be like if we were evil despots running corrupt governments, this is where like in the 2007-8 mortgage crisis... You got all the rating agencies saying, oh, yeah, this person putting 3% down with no job. He's going to be a a great creditee. We do the same. We bring our dissidents to um, a rating agency that we own, and we have them rated as non-human, and we sell them off to Alta Beauty to put makeup on (laughs) Harry Maguire. I feel like this is the time in the episode where I usually say, we've had enough. We have. (laughs) We hope you guys enjoyed this, running down the Prem, running down some Bayern Munich, absolutely dominating again, with a little Augsburg sprinkled in, and a weekend recap. And thank you everyone for listening. I love you all. I don't usually say ciao to people I don't love, so. Ciao. Ciao. Love you guys. Bye.